0: on mission. I want us to start out right where we left off last week. I don't know if you remember the Blues Brothers or not. We're on a mission from God. We are on a mission from God. Charles Spurgeon as it says up there says every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We're, we're, this is gonna be part of who we are. If we're following Jesus, then it's gonna be part of who we are. We're spreading His message. We are in this world to fulfill God's mission, to follow Him. And, and I believe it was, it was, uh, author Tim Dearborn who first wrote, it is not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a church in the world. See what he did there? It's not the church of God that uh, that has a mission. It's not that we have a mission, but that God has a church. And we are the His plan for fulfilling the mission, His mission in the world. And so if we choose to follow Jesus, He will have us going all over the place, walking across rooms, uh, pointing people to Him. Not necessarily around the world, maybe around the world, maybe next door. Or, down the hall, or across the street, or in the coffee shop, or wherever God takes you, you are on mission for him. This is the last uh, message in this month long series about stepping out of our of our comfortable lives and and following the nudge of the Holy Spirit, walk, keeping in step with the spirit we said from galatians five and and we we walk across the room as He nudges us to do that to uh, to point people closer to Christ. If you've missed any of these messages, you can, you can, uh, of course, listen to them on, uh, uh, on the, the website, on the listen page on the, the church website. Also, uh, I, I checked this week Bill Heibel's book with this same title, Just Walk Across the Room, six bucks on Amazon, uh, and, and you dive, dive deep into, uh, into all this stuff. We just scratched the surface in a, in a sermon series. So, uh, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. But today, I'd like us to take a, uh, a closer look at a, at a scene from, from Jesus' ministry, uh, kind of an obscure miracle of sorts. Jesus performed all sorts of miracles. Uh, this one's a little bit obscure, and it's from Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, You're nuts. No, Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night, worked hard all night, and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Probably heard that story before. Maybe you've heard that story before. It's kind of a weird miracle. I mean, we've got uh Jesus uh, would would heal people of of uh, sickness and and deformities and and uh and all those types of things. Uh Jesus would uh, cast demons out of people and those are all kind of spiritual kind of things. Fish? I mean, it's it's just a little weird, right? I mean, uh First off, we need to see that Jesus is teaching on the shore, and, and we get the impression that he's getting pushed into the water. Uh, it, people, I, I guess I'm picturing, uh, those of you that have been to the Holy Land could probably tell me uh, tell me differently, but I'm picturing kind of a gentle slope going down to the water, maybe a little sand on the beach, and then uh, the water lapping up on shore, and as the people start gathering, uh, it starts pushing down closer and closer, and Jesus starts backing up, and pretty soon he's ankle deep, and, and he's, he's going, we need to... Solve this problem, and he sees these boats, and and so he, uh, he 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 jumped into this one boat just so happened to to belong to Simon Peter, this sleep deprived fisherman who who uh, was probably a bit grouchy at the time, staying up all night, hadn't caught anything uh, in in uh, in his whole night of fishing. Now we need to acknowledge uh, sometimes we might think that and, and it appears just if we just read this scripture, we might think this is the first time that that uh, that, that Simon Peter had uh, had met jesus, but that's that 's really not the case uh, uh, through through Luke uh, here and then also the other other gospels we can we can see that, that simon 's brother Andrew was actually the first person to introduce him to Jesus. They had heard about jesus preaching and they 'd followed him around a little bit and they 'd listened to him and, and uh, just a few verses prior to this actually in, in Luke chapter 4, we see that, that, uh, that, that Jesus had actually been in Simon Peter's home and had actually healed his mother-in-law. So, uh, so, so Jesus had, 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 had some interaction with, with Simon Peter before this. this it wasn't just, oh, uh, the, oh, here's some strange fisherman, I'm going to jump in his boat. It's just not some strange person that, that's uh, telling Peter what to do either, as we'll see uh, as, as the story goes on. Jesus already had, had some credibility built up with these guys. Uh, but Peter hadn't quit his, his job. He's still fishing for a living, uh, following Jesus around uh, as, as he can, when he can. This is a, a very cool thing, and, and he's following Jesus, but he's, he's, still, he's still fishing, which is what he'd been doing all night without success. Well, Jesus gets into Peter's boat, he rows out a, a few feet away to, to get away from the chaos on the shore and, uh, and, and so that he can be heard and he keeps teaching. We don't know how long, maybe five minutes, maybe five hours, probably somewhere in between there. And, uh, and, and so when he's done, uh, Jesus maybe, I'm probably putting words in his mind, but maybe he's thinking, let's have a little fun with these guys. I, I don't know. Uh, and, and, and so he says, uh, he knew that, he knew that Peter and his buddies had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. He saw them cleaning their nets and mending their nets and, and doing all that and, uh, didn't have anything to show for their efforts. And so, uh, then, then this, this teacher, Jesus, not a fisherman, a teacher, uh, a, rabbi, uh, <laughs> tells them how to fish, right? Hey, why don't you, you know, ha- have you tried? Have you ever done that where you've been doing a project and you, you did everything and it just didn't work out? And somebody comes up right at the end, and they say, "Well, have you tried?" My response is, "You right? Yeah, I've tried this. Get out of my face!" Right? I, I, I want to. Hopefully, that's not Peter. That's first, Peter's first reaction, right? Uh, Peter says, "You don't get it, preacher." Well, it, it doesn't quite say that, but 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 he 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 said, yeah, "We've done this all." But you know what? Because I've got a little history with you, because you've got a little credibility here, because you healed my mother-in-law, I will, I will follow uh, and do what you say just to, just to appease you. We'll do it so they did what needed to be done to get back out on the lake and they dropped the nets back in I don't think they probably had to wait very long uh, I think Jesus is is sitting back in the boat uh, probably watching, praying, maybe smirking a little bit as because he knows exactly what's going to happen and the, these fishermen begin to notice all of these fish begin to pile into these nets and Peter yells over and James and John bring the other boat over and and they, they take uh, two boats to haul in this whole catch of fish and get it all up there and and the, the boats are actually starting to Think because it's, it's just a, an amazing miracle. And I'm sure that the grouchiness had quickly been replaced by excitement and joy. These fishermen who had nothing to show for their hard work all night long now had dollar signs flipping in their nets, right? They were probably congratulating each other, high-fiving, slapping each other on the back. And then as the excitement kind of dies down, it dawns on Peter what had really happened, and so he comes over to Jesus, and he he falls down to his on his feet, uh, falls down on his knees in the in the middle of all these squirming fish. Peter was kind of this dramatic, uh, you know, over the top kind of guy, uh, and 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 he recognized that that he wasn't worthy to be with Jesus. It's amazing; it blows his mind. Jesus, I'm sure, has he lifts Peter back to his feet, and he says, "Hey, yeah, don't don't be afraid of all this. Uh, you you think that was cool? <laughs> you th- you think you think that was neat?" Try raising your sights a little bit. What what about not just devoting your life to what you can accomplish on this lake? But consider devoting your life to what God wants you to accomplish in the world. Jesus was was saying that there wasn't anything wrong, he wasn't saying that there was anything wrong with, with catching fish. I was fine. They were just earning a living, but but Jesus challenged them to think a little bit bigger. In essence, Jesus was asking these these men, who were some of his very first disciples, uh, he was asking them to give up everything that they had and everything that they knew for the sake of people's souls. Simon Peter, no doubt, had expected uh, his life to, uh, as it began, there on the shores of that lake, that, that he would live there, he would work there, he would raise his family there, he would die there. His life was going to be a fisherman on those waters. But Jesus painted a picture on that afternoon that seemed to reach into his heart, and it set him off in a completely new direction, right? It was a grander vision than the one that Simon Peter had in mind for himself. It was a vision that touched eternity instead of just providing the next meal. And Jesus, down through time, has been in the habit of jumping into boats, so to speak, jumping into our world where we think we know how life is going to go, where we think we know how life should be lived, and he challenges us with a grander vision. He says, are you going to throw your one and only life into pursuing the stuff of this world? Or are you looking to make a difference in people's lives for eternity? In the the book, Bill Hybels calls this grander vision living. God's grander vision is that he loves people and he wants to use you to help them know it. He wants to use you to help them know that he loves them. The, the door of the kingdom of God is open and available to everyone who accepts that invitation to come in. That is the message that we carry to the people who are on the other side of the room when we walk across the room, so to speak. The, the grander vision will look different for all of us depending on our, our circumstances. Just as Jesus didn't condemn Peter, James, and John for being fishermen, uh, he, he doesn't have anything against your career either unless you're doing something uh, illegal or, or immoral, I guess. Let me know and we'll have a little chat about that. But he he does challenge each of us to invest our lives in eternity. In essence, Jesus says, take what you're good at, take what you're interested in, but shift your motivation to things that are Eternal. That's grander vision living. So, so maybe I'm still in the same job and I'm still, uh, doing the, some of the same things, but now my sights are not just on fulfilling those tasks, but on living this grander vision of pointing people to Jesus. I, I think that grander vision was also on the apostle Paul's mind when he, when he wrote his letter to the church in a, in a town called Colossae. We have it in our scripture as the book of Colossians. And in chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, he says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Grander vision living is about staying close to God and, and watching where he's working. Stay connected to God so that you can sense the nudge of his spirit. As we've said all along here from Galatians 5, keep in step with the spirit. We've been, we've been uh, praying. Hopefully, you've been praying as as I've been, been praying every day. God, uh, uh, help me point someone toward you today. Uh, just because this is the last uh, sermon in this series doesn't mean you should stop praying that prayer. Uh, hopefully, it has become ingrained in part of what you do, and and uh, you'll continue to look for those chances, those opportunities, praying that God will use you. To point someone toward Him. I hope you've seen evidence. I, I could. Uh, uh, I've seen several different times when, when, uh, over just over the last few weeks, where an unexpected call or an unexpected uh, opportunity or or something has arisen, and instead of just kind of passing by that, now I'm looking for it, and I can step into that, and it's been exciting to to see some unexpected relationships develop and some some uh, seeds to be planted, and and it's 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 been neat, and I hope that that's uh, the case in your life as well. Or, or maybe here's another prayer, uh, God, I know you're working today, I'd love to help. There's, there's a great, great prayer to start off in the morning, because God is working, he's doing his work and his will every day, he's on mission, uh, he has you as, as part of the church, his body to represent him in the world, now we can sit back and, and ignore that, or we can say, God, I know you're working, I'm, uh, I'm working too, I'm, I'd love to help. Grander vision living recognizing recognizes that God is working, and so we need to be watchful, uh, this says in Colossians. We we need to look for those chances to be used by him. We need to thank him, it says, to uh, for the chance to be used. Uh, Paul says one of the big things we should be praying for are uh, open doors, he says, to share the gospel uh, and for the ability to share it clearly. Open doors, another word for opportunities, right? Uh, we, we have opportunities all the time to either point someone toward God or push them away from God. Paul says we should be praying that we'll see those opportunities and, and we'll take advantage of them. Now, I'm, I'm very aware that there have probably been uh, many, many, many opportunities in each one of our lives that we have missed. I, I won't ask for testimonies today, um, uh when we should have made a different choice i mean hindsight is 2020 maybe maybe it's a snack that you shouldn't have eaten or Maybe there were stocks you should have invested in, or a job you should have taken, or maybe it was a, a pass you should have caught, or a point you should have raised, or or maybe it was the one that got away, or that relationship that you should have pursued, or that relationship that you should have ended much sooner. Or maybe it was uh, advice you should have taken, or advice you should have given, or the tongue you should have held. <laughs> We've all had those V8 moments I think when we realize I should have and I missed the opportunity. And I'm sure that I could uh, I could dwell on this for a while and and stir up some so, some pretty good preacher guilt here uh from a spiritual perspective on the spiritual opportunities that we've missed, right? Because we've all not spoken up for God when we should have. We've all not helped a person in need because we, uh for whatever reason, we, we've all not showed someone that we cared. We've all not taken advantage of that opportunity for a new friendship. I, I'm sure all of us have ignored the the, the, the impulse at some point, uh, ignored that impulse to walk across the room, to step out of what's comfortable and to walk across the room to, uh, to speak up for God in someone's life but I'm not going to like dwell on that and twist the knife or anything because we're all there. We we've we've missed those opportunities. We recognize that. But rather than than staying mired in in guilt and regret there, the Bible calls us today to redeem the opportunities that we have now. Uh that that's how uh uh, uh it says it in uh, in some of the other t- uh, translations. It's instead of saying make the most of every opportunity, it says redeem the time. Make the most of it. It means the same thing. Make the most of every opportunity. Well, what are the opportunities that we need to make the most of? Well, one is the opportunities to evangelize. Uh, We've been given marching orders from Jesus himself to go and make disciples of all the nations. As as Jesus told those fishermen on the shore, go and fish for people. Or uh, take what you're good at, but shift your motivation to things that are eternal. As I've been, been saying for weeks now, it can be as easy as a conversation with a close friend who is struggling, or it could be a deep theological conversation, or, or a bunch of brief chances to, uh, to direct people toward God. It could mean explaining, uh, basic beliefs of salvation. It could mean inviting someone to church. But no matter what it looks like, we all are called to make the most of the opportunities that God brings our way to evangelize, to, to point people to, to share the good news, of Jesus. And another kind of opportunity that we need to take advantage of are the opportunities to empathize. These are the chances that we get to draw up alongside, alongside someone who, uh, who needs the, the love and compassion of God in their lives, to, to, to meet their needs, to empathize with where they are. The, the word compassion literally means to suffer with another. Uh, it's it's not fun it's not oh good i get to go suffer with somebody but we have the chance to represent jesus to be jesus with skin on to uh, to people in need to empathize with their uh with their situation sometimes it gets messy sometimes it's expensive sometimes it's exhausting sometimes it's time consuming but it can have eternal rewards an author by the name of terry muck wrote about a letter that he received from a man who who used to have absolutely nothing to do with spiritual things. And this man said that he he lived next door to a Christian, and they had a casual relationship like most neighbors do, wave, and and uh, that was about it. But then the, the non-Christian's wife was stricken with cancer and died within three months. And this is an excerpt of the letter that this author received from this non-Christian man. He said, I was in total despair. I went through the funeral preparations and the service like I was in a trance. And after the service, I went to the path along the river and I walked all night. But I did not walk alone. My neighbor, afraid for me, I guess, stayed with me all night. He did not speak. He did not even walk beside me. He just followed me. And when the sun finally came up over the river, he came over to me and said, let's go get some breakfast.'" Hmm. the letter goes on. I go to church now, my neighbor's church. A religion that can produce the kind of caring and love my neighbor showed me is something I want to find out more about. I want to be like that. I want to love and be loved like that for the rest of my life. We have opportunities to empathize, to, to, to represent Christ in people's dark hours of need. Walking across the room isn't just about preaching at people. It must include making the most of our opportunities to empathize with them. Opportunities to evangelize, opportunities to empathize, opportunities to energize is the third one. Empathy is more of a reaction to what someone is feeling. Energizing is uh, is is taking proactive, uh, ma- making a proactive uh, effect or action in their lives to to uh, to energize them toward God and toward good, to to propel them. So we're energized and we're we're propelling or energizing others toward toward God as well. It involves speaking up for, standing up for what's right, uh, uh, influencing others toward God and toward good, uh, uh, speaking up in uh, speaking into their lives and and. As we're invited, we give counsel and direction and guidance as God guides us to share that. Opportunities to evangelize, to empathize, and to energize. The essence of of this whole series is is to open our eyes to the grander vision of life. That, That we are here to influence the people that God brings across our path for him. We can't stay in a place that is comfortable and easy and predictable. We have to make a habit of listening to God's voice and when he nudges us to walk across the room. And when we do that, it might just change someone, someone's eternity. D.L. Moody said this, There is one thing you cannot bury with a good person. The influence of such an individual still lives. They have not buried Daniel yet. His influence is as great today as it ever was. Do you tell me that Joseph is dead? His influence still lives and will continue to live on and on. You may bury the frail tenement of clay that a person lives in, but you cannot get rid of the influence and example of a life lived for God. You cannot get rid of the influence and example of a life lived for God. That is grander vision living. So, what are you living for? If someone was to follow you around and and, and look at at how you spent your time and and uh, and and uh, how you spent your money and uh, and how you live your life, your habits and your uh, everything about you, if someone was just to look at that, take a take a glimpse of that, follow you around for, what would they say you are living for? Do you have that grander vision? It's amazing to me how many things in this world are temporary. I mean. Virtually every, they're great things. I mean, we, we, we have them to use, we have them to enjoy, but but they're just, just temporary. And, and so we have to know that and treat them like that. I, I think about the fish that we talked about just a minute ago with uh, Peter, James, and John. I mean, temporary. They died shortly after they were caught, and then it appears from the, from the passage that they just kind of left them in the boat and took off, and they probably rotted there on the shore. People came up and got them and ate away. It, just temporary. The the job that you enjoy so much—it's actually just a temp job. Maybe you've been working at it for thirty years. I don't know, but it's just a te- because it's it's going to end. It's it's uh, it's just temporary. It won't. La- or maybe that job that you don't enjoy so much. Take heart, it's going to end. It's uh it's it's just temporary. Oh, school! School just started, right? Uh, it's school. Uh, don't worry, you'll be out before you know it, and then you'll have that job that you don't like. That's just temporary. Uh, anyway, your sports team. I mean, games are fun, but they end, right? And I hate to to share this, but they don't really matter very much. Are we allowed to say that. Sorry. Your trophies and medals and awards, really just—I mean, they're they're great and you could celebrate, but just dust collectors, right? I mean, over time, just. How about fame? Maybe we could ask the Kardashians how that's working out uh, for them. Uh, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be, right? And it, and it, it doesn't last. I mean, the, the next news cycle, the next whatever. Uh, what about your house, your your home, where, where you live? We've got to have the right house in the right place, and it's got to be remodeled in order to keep up with Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? And we've got to have a good, good, uh, uh, good place to stay. And, and I mean, all that stuff is great and beautiful, but it it doesn't last. If you keep watching HGTV long enough, you, uh, you know that you're going to be remodeling again in about three years, right? Because the latest trends are coming down the pike. Your car. Some of you know from difficult personal experience that they are temporary and they don't last, right? Uh, it's just temporary. Or your, uh, your bank account. I, I mean, money, pretty temporary, right? Kind of uh, it comes and it goes. A technology. Here's a favorite of mine. I mean, it's... it's it's awesome. It's great. But it's very temporary. I mean, less than 10 years ago, we did not know what a smartphone was. What's going to happen in the next 10 years? Well, you know, what, how's all this going to change exponentially over the next 10 years? I mean, tech is very cool and very temporary, very fleeting. And yet, I don't know that we could say that we, just saying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know that we say that we live our lives for that. But maybe it looks like that. Or entertainment. Uh, the, the, time that we spend being entertained is, is growing. Whether that's Netflix or YouTube or social media or, uh, the, uh, the cable or, uh, reading books. I, whatever it is. Going to, going to games and going, to, all the ways that we entertain ourselves. I mean, it's fine to chill out for a bit. Those are great things, but we just have to know that they're temporary things. They don't last. They fill time. They they add a dimension to our lives, and that's great, but they're not going we can't build our lives around those things. We can talk about our hobbies and the things that we pour our time and effort and money into. We, the Bible says that everything is passing away. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, uh, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who use the things of this world should live as if they are not engrossed in them. Wow, what a passage. Uh, Live as if we are not engrossed in the things of this world. For this world in its present form is passing away. We can't build our lives around any of this stuff, right? Because it's all passing away. It's not going to last. It's temporary, So what should we live for? Well, we should live for things that are going to last. We should live for things that are eternal, that are not just temporal, that are not just temporary. We should live for things that are eternal. Well, what's that list? What's on the list of things that are eternal? Well, one right off the bat, probably the one at the top should be God, right? He's kind of eternal, right? Maybe not kind of. Actually, not, kind of. He's always been, always will be, not uh, impeded or or entered into time at all. He is beyond time. Uh, He is eternal. So if we're supposed to live for things that are eternal, we should certainly live for God, right? What else is eternal? Well, the Bible is eternal. Matthew 24 says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Uh, If we need to live by the truths of Scripture, what should we live our life for? Well, we should live devoted to Scripture, devoted to the Bible, there's only one other thing on the list. There's a list of three. Uh, I've given you God and I've given you scripture. But there is something, one other thing that will last for eternity. There is, there is one other thing that's, that, that's not just temporary, like all those other things that I mentioned. And, and that one other thing is, is a soul. A soul. People's souls last for eternity. So when you get to the end of your life, what do you want your life to have been about? Stuff, money, fame, uh, technology, the trophies of this life, or do you want your life to have been about helping souls encounter God? Only souls are going to make it from this world to the next Are you living with the grander vision of your life that you just might be able to live in such a way that you'll point a soul toward faith in God that will last for eternity? This series ends today. I pray that a switch has been flipped in your soul that you will make the most of every opportunity that God brings your way to influence people for him. It's it's about so much more than just a sermon series. Maybe you're going, okay, whew, we made it through those four weeks. Now we can move on to something else, and I don't have to worry about it. this. is a lifestyle. This is not just uh, not just a, a series, and then we move on. It's it's a way of life. You you might have to leave some things behind. I mean, those disciples on the shore—they they they left everything and followed Jesus. Or it might be in the context of who you are and where you are, you're going to use those things where God has taken you, and you're going to to uh, to to follow Him through those things. It, It might mean that you have to restructure your priorities. Certain things need to be shifted around. But but the question is, when God asks, will you follow? Will you, will you live your life for something greater than things that are temporary? I'd like to close our time today with a commissioning. Don't get scared. It's nothing weird. But would you stand with me? A commissioning to go, to live our lives with the grand vision of pointing souls to Jesus. Jesus. God, God has souls to reach, and He may just want to use you to do it. In in Scripture, there's a great commission. Uh, it's it's basically a commissioning is just uh, letting uh, sending people out on a mission. That's what Jesus did at the end of of Matthew. He gathered his disciples together and he said, "Go, get out of here. You've got stuff to do." And what did they have to do? He said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's the great commission, and it's also our commission. And so today I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and, and uh, uh, between between you and Jesus, not anybody even next to you or around, you are sent. You are sent on a mission to go and make disciples too. It might mean leaving something. It might mean rearranging priorities. It might mean changing everything. It might be using right where you are. What you have. But in a whole different way. But you are sent. You are sent as an agent of God. You are sent as a, as a representative of the king of the universe. You are sent to walk across rooms to step out of what's comfortable and and to, to evangelize, to empathize, to energize. Father God, we thank you that you have sent each one of us. Forgive us for the times when we have stayed back and not gone. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that, that this wouldn't just be a, a little blip on the radar, but that, that we can point back to this day, perhaps, as a, as a time when we have, have said, yes, I am on mission for God, and maybe that's just next door, or maybe that's around the world. Lord, I pray that we can, we can get quiet with you, even in this moment, or in, in moments this afternoon, or in the days ahead. We can allow your spirit to whisper across our soul to hear your voice and what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, I pray that as we, as we go from here, we can sense your direction, maybe in the, the, the quick little uh, blip of, uh, of uh, a moment at work or, or in the grocery store or uh, in our neighborhood. Lord, I pray that we can have sensitive ears to the leading of your spirit and that we'll walk in step with him. Lord, I'm excited about where you're going to take us and, and what you're going to do through us. And, and Lord, I'm excited about how you've been doing that all, all the way along. And Lord, I just pray that it will, it will just uh, reach exponentially into the relationships that we have and the relationships that you'll be forming in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have called us to go, to go out of what's comfortable, to walk across rooms, <laughs> to influence people, to point souls toward Jesus. We open ourselves to you and we accept the mission. We thank you that you have promised to go with us to guide our every step. And so we commit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now go.